Welcome to Ragbag. My name's Frank Burton, aka Lazarus Newman. Last time we got into some stuff, and this is part two, the NV edition part two. If you haven't heard part one, this is probably not going to make much sense, but there will be some good tunes. So if you genuinely can't be bothered to go back and check out part one, enjoy the music. The music is very good.
So I was talking last time about what I see as the difference between envy and jealousy. And for better or for worse, this was one of the topics of conversation on the night me and Heidi broke up. I'm not bitter about this, by the way. I mean, she's the one who left. But I'm glad that she did. Being with her was making me pretty miserable. And clearly she wasn't happy either in the end. And I was the problem. She wasn't the problem. She was perfect. Except she wasn't perfect. She had a real mean streak. And even though I knew this about her, and even though I'd fallen victim to her temperamental vindictiveness on many occasions, I was too busy pretending she was perfect to realise what was really going on. I'll tell you what she said to me that day. And this sums it all up for me. The reason we were never going to work and the reason I'm happy we're no longer together. She said, You know, love is just a word, right? I'll tell you why she said that. I had this thing about saying the words I love you and hearing the words said by someone else. Because no one had ever said it to me and I'd never said it to anyone else, Heidi, on the other hand, had heard it and said it many times before. She'd been romantically involved with people in the past. But more importantly, she was from a different kind of family to me. Her parents said those three magic words so casually and with such little effort. It was something she'd always taken for granted. And therefore, for Heidi, the act of saying I love you really wasn't all that special. They weren't magic words, which perhaps explains why she had a tendency to use the L word in what seemed to be inappropriate contexts. She said she loved me, but then she also said, I love tin spaghetti on toast, or I love the We Will Rock You soundtrack. And it's not that those sentences don't make sense, they're grammatically accurate and everything, but I know for a fact that tin spaghetti on toast wouldn't even feature in Heidi's top 10 favourite foods. She likes the taste of it and it reminds her of a happy, stable childhood, so maybe there's a connection there that could explain her use of the word. The We Will Rock You soundtrack is, you know, in my opinion, not a good album. But that's just the way I feel, and I probably would use the word love to describe a lot of the music that I like. So I can understand her use of the word love when it comes to music. The real problem I had with all of this was she was using the word love and it wasn't about me. Her affections were stolen from me, not by another person, but by an inanimate object tin spaghetti on toast. I was jealous of tin spaghetti on toast. I was jealous of a collection of dodgy queen covers because as I've said, I was the problem. She cottoned onto this one day 
when she realised I was silently objecting to her claim in a petrol station that she loved barbecue beef flavoured hula hoops. She said it with a mouthful of them and I visibly pulled a face. Sorry, she said. What? Talking with my mouthful, bad habit. That's not the problem, I said as we climbed back into the car. Oh, she stopped munching. There's a problem. Well, not really a problem, it's just sometimes you... Oh, this is going to sound slightly odd. Sometimes you say you love something and, I don't know, maybe I feel it devalues things. Like when you say, I love you to me. How do I know you're not just using the word love in the same way you described your packet of crisps? Because, you know, I'd like to think I'm more important than a packet of crisps. You're right, she said. That does sound odd. Forget it, I said. What do you want me to do, she said. Do you want me to reassure you that you are more important than a packet of crisps? Do I have to do that every time I use the word love to describe something? Or what you could do, I began, but stopped myself. What, she said. Forget it. No, go on, I'm open to suggestions. Okay, I said. I was just going to say, perhaps you could be a little less indiscriminate. Like, save the word love to describe something you're genuinely passionate about, something that you have a real deep connection with. So, just use it to describe you, is that what you're saying? Yes, I said, that would be great if you could do that for me. Well, I'm not going to do that for you, she said, because love is just a word. And perhaps you'd feel better about things if you understood that. Right, I said. So, when you say I love you, there's no real meaning behind it. It's just a word. What, it's just something that you're saying just to be nice, or what? Oh, shut up, she said. I understand what's going on here, you know. You've got something inside you, something deeply insecure that makes you question everything. Like when good things happen to you and you feel like you don't deserve them because you were brought up to think of yourself that way. And it's that part of you that just can't grasp or can't believe that someone might actually be in love with you. So you look for the tiniest scrap of evidence to prove that you aren't really loved, that the person who says she loves you is just saying that, and the fact that she wants to spend all her free time in your company is all part of an elaborate con trick. And what was I supposed to say to that? She was totally right. She'd explained myself to me in a way I'd struggle to do myself. And so I said what I always said when I wanted to diffuse things between us. I said, I love you. And I added, I do know that you feel the same way, even though love is just a word. Just know that it'll always be more than just a word to me.
We didn't talk the rest of the way home, which was okay in a way because she'd said what she wanted to say and I'd said what I wanted to say, but in another way it wasn't okay because she wasn't going to change. She didn't need to. And I wasn't going to change, even though I definitely needed to. Not just for her, for me, for my own sanity. But then, then I had another thought. And I'll tell you about that thought in a bit. Aladani Sutorola, Sima, 
Susie here from the Casual Birder podcast. I love watching birds, whether it's those that visit my garden or ones that I see when travelling. Bird watching is a great pastime. It can be done with others or alone. You don't need expensive equipment. Your eyes or ears are enough. And best of all, it doesn't need any great commitment. The casual birder does as much or as little birding as suits them. Join me each week to hear about the birds I've seen, interviews with others, and stories from listeners around the world. The Casual Birder podcast, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, I'm Spud Murphy, and along with one of Ireland's darkest comedian Seamus Kelly, I host the Comedy Cast, a weekly podcast where we speak to some of the best up-and-coming stand-up comedians from all over the world. We also have some of the best new bands on too, with some of their music, of course, and we take the piss out of what's been going on around the world of late. We've just recently started a Legends of Comedy section too, so there's something there for all you stand-up comedy fans. Get us in all the usual podcast places or go to thecomedycast.com where you can also listen and you can catch up with old episodes too and you can even watch my stand-up comedy documentary, Funny How. So that's it then, I'm Spud Murphy and make sure and check out the Comedy Cast.
Later on, we were eating dinner. Two completely different meals, by the way, because we were two completely different people with different dietary requirements. And I just started talking, surprising myself as much as anyone else. I didn't even realise I'd been thinking about any of this stuff, but I must have been. Unless the whole outburst just happened to occur to me on the spot. I'm... I'm unfulfilled, I said. That's the problem. I'm insecure because I don't have any of the things I really want and I don't have any of the things I really want because I don't really know what I want. That isn't quite what I was expecting you to say, said Heidi. Yeah, me too, I said. I thought I was going to be like, I'm really sorry about earlier and I'm going to make an effort to change my behaviour or something, but I don't know. It seems better to lay the blame on forces beyond my control. And maybe I'm right as well. Maybe this is the case with, with all jealous people. We're insecure because the world hasn't met our expectations. And it's not our fault for having high expectations. It's the world's fault for failing to meet those expectations. Heidi didn't stop eating. She replied through a mouthful of chicken. I really don't know what you're talking about, Frank. I don't know if you're joking or what. I'm not joking, I know that much. Well, whatever. I'm getting tired of all this. We just seem to be having the same conversations all the time. I agree, let's have a different conversation. I disagree, she said. Let's not have a different conversation. Let's have the same conversation, but let's do it properly for a change. Let's get to the heart of the matter. You know what I really think about why you're jealous of everyone? Jealous of inanimate objects? You always like to suggest it's down to the fact your parents treated you like an inconvenience. I know that must have been hard, but I don't think it's anything to do with that. I think this can all be traced back to crazy golf. For a moment I thought she was mocking me, but she wasn't. I could see her point. Just hearing the words crazy golf sparked off an emotional reaction. Go on, I said. I think, she said, you learned something about the world that day. You learned about wanting something you can't have. Up until that point, perhaps, you hadn't really had to deal with any of this kind of injustice because, despite their flaws, your parents actually gave you stuff. Maybe not affection or love or anything, but stuff. Loads and loads of stuff. I've seen your old Christmas photos. My God. So when you're faced with the sight of not one, but a hundred kids, all playing with stuff you're not allowed to touch, it changed your understanding of the world and your place within the world. You learned that life isn't fair sometimes. Everyone learns that at some point in their childhoods and most people come to terms with it. Some people never do and I think you're one of those people. You haven't accepted the fact that life isn't fair. What, you're saying I'm a spoiled brat, I said. I don't know, she said. But best not to put a label on it. 
do you think Martin Luther King was a spoiled brat, I said, because he couldn't accept unfairness? I wouldn't compare you to Martin Luther King either, she said. You're a different person, you know. Your most painful childhood memory is the day you weren't allowed to play crazy golf. And I know it's your most painful childhood memory because you're always bringing it up. It's the only thing from your past that you've never really got over. You managed to get over everything else. Your father's disappearance, going to prison, all of that you've been fine with. But if anyone brings up the subject of crazy golf, it ruins your day. You just need to get over it. Okay, I said, well, how do I do that? I don't know, she said. I mean, I'm not even sure that the events as you described them actually took place. Are you sure it wasn't a dream? Yes, I'm sure. I've never known anyone whose teachers took them out for a whole day playing crazy golf on some kind of portable equipment that had been set up on school premises. I mean, logistically, it would be easier to take a coachload of kids to an actual crazy golf centre. No wonder that company isn't operating anymore, whoever they were. I know it doesn't sound 100% plausible, I said, but come on, you're not calling me a liar, are you? No, I just think you're mistaken. I'm not. Imagine if you were, though. Imagine if I could prove it to you somehow. If I could get a time machine, we could go back and watch what really happened that day, and all we managed to see is you, as a child, daydreaming. How would you feel then? Would you still feel like you're not good enough to have nice things? Or would you realise for the first time since you had that horrific daydream that sometimes unfairness is just a state of mind? Yeah, all well and good, I said, but, and I'm sorry to keep banging on about this, but it definitely happened. I'm as sure of that as I'm sure of anything. And the fact that you keep questioning it, that's just something I can't get past. I can't accept it. I need you to believe me. Hang on, she said. What? I've got it. The answer to your question. You asked me how I think you need to get over it, right? Yeah. You get over it by playing crazy golf. That's not going to work. I've played crazy golf subsequently and I still feel the same. But have you played crazy golf when you're not supposed to be playing crazy golf? How do you mean? I'll show you. And, uh, and she did, listeners. <laughs> she did. She did. She showed me. My God, she really did. She knew this place, this play centre for kids which had a crazy golf bit on the outside. She took me there that night, we broke in, I'd never broken in anywhere before, and we played, uh, we played into the night. We had so much fun, and not ironic fun, not like 
hey, we're grown-ups doing kids stuff fun. I mean, it was a genuine experience. And I'll always be grateful to Heidi for that because it was totally her idea. And she did it for me. She did it to fix me, to make me into a better person. And that's exactly what she did. And then, and then she left. Yeah, she left. The following morning, she packed her things up and she never came back. I don't know where she went. I haven't seen her since that day. I was going to say I don't know why she left, but that's not true. It's pretty obvious why she left. I was a total nightmare. And she woke up that morning and she thought to herself... Did I really spend yesterday evening in a crazy golf centre that I'd broken into just so I could boost my boyfriend's lagging self-esteem? Was it worth it? So yeah. I was the bad guy. I hold my hand up to that. You know what, listeners? I used to be jealous. And I'm not anymore. I'm really not. I have very few possessions because I don't need stuff I have very few friends because I don't need people all that much and I don't have a girlfriend anymore because I don't need one I've got a podcast think about that I've got a podcast and yes I am a different person now As you know, as you regular listeners will know, I'm Lazarus Newman. 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 I'm Lazarus Newman.
Thank you for listening. Normal service will resume next time. Back to just doing the usual features and all that kind of stuff, all the great music and all the kind of stuff that you guys like, you know, all the stuff that you like. Also, there's going to be a new bonus bag next week, which will be a fantastic one, as are all the other ones. Check them all out, all the history of this podcast. We're on to, uh, what's this, episode 21? There's lots to catch up on if you haven't already. 
plus the bonus bags. Frankburton.co.uk is the website. Check that out as well.